and welcome to the Canine Conservationists podcast, where we are positively obsessed with conservation detection dogs. Join us every week to discuss ecology, odor dynamics, dog behavior, and everything in between. I'm your host, Kayla Fratt, and I run Canine Conservationists, where I train dogs to detect data. Today, I'm talking about how you can become a canine conservationist, and I don't really mean this to be gimmicky. I truly want to talk about ways that we can all be more involved. And besides, I sign off every episode suggesting that you be a canine conservationist in a way that suits your passions and skill sets, but I feel like we haven't actually talked about what that means. So I'm so excited to talk about this. It's just going to be me on this episode. But before we get to it, we're going to talk about our weekly suggestions. This one I'm borrowing from the podcast Seeking Wisdom, which I haven't listened to in a few years, but just started again um, this week. And this advice stuck with me from, gosh, back in like 2017 or 2018 when I first heard it, which is that it's okay to not finish a book. If you start reading a book and you're just not loving it or you feel like you've already learned what you need to get from it, it's okay to move on. You can skim. You can just read the chapter that you care about. And um, yeah, it's okay to not finish a book. So um, this episode was kind of initially inspired, and the first half of the episode will take um, pretty heavy hints from an episode of How to Save a Planet, which I'll link to in the show notes that talks about how to best, well, you know, save the planet. And one of the brilliant things that Dr. Ayana Elizabeth Johnson suggests in that episode is to create a three-way Venn diagram of how to get involved. So basically what she suggests starting with is starting with a circle on a paper, a piece of paper, um, that is what you love. And you write in there things that you love, things that you love doing, things that you care about. Next, there's a circle off to the left with, you know, an overlapping bit. So, you know, a Venn diagram. Um, And that circle is going to include the things that you're good at. And in between um, is going to be the things that you love and that you're good at. And then lastly, there's going to be a circle kind of down and to the right of what the world needs. And, you know, that may include all sorts of things that you're not skilled at um, or things that you don't love. So then in the center will be some ways that you can help save the planet, save some dogs, or just generally be a canine conservationist. So here's an example for me. In my circle of things that I love, it's dogs, training dogs, ecology, conservation biology, cross-country skiing, education, communication, travel, um, you know, obviously my friends, salsa dancing, bachata, swing dancing, there's all sorts of other things that I love, but you know, if we're trying to stay generally in the realm of what's relevant, relevant, those are the things that I love. And then in my circle of things that I'm good at, um, I would say that I'm a great writer, I'm a good public speaker, I'm good at idea generation and logistics and tough field work and training dogs. The world also needs better data on the wild places and wild animals that we have left, better education on how dogs can help science, and it needs a lot more than that, but you know, you get the idea. So the great news is I'm already doing what fits in the center of this Venn diagram. I'm working as a conservation dog handler, which melds my skill and love of dog training with what the world needs of, cons- uh, you know, better understanding the world around us, and helping educate others, which again melds my love of communication and education with my skill as a educator. Hey everyone, just dropping into this episode with an update on our Patreon. Um, So we still have all those same levels that we've talked about in the past. We've got the $3 a month doggy detector where you ask questions for me and the guests to answer each episode, but you also get to join our monthly training video calls, which are great if you're considering getting into the field of conservation dog training or are already in it and want to take you and your dog to the next level. Um, We will record the calls and then we publish the video for patrons to view and ask questions about. So everyone in all time zone gets, gets to participate fully. At the $10 level, you get all of that, plus the ability to ask questions, give feedback, and submit videos of you and your dog training for those calls. Um, And we also, we don't care about your target owner. So if you're working on competitive scent work or explosives or narcotics or anything like that, come on and join. It's a ton of fun.
Finally, Kdan conservationists at the highest level um, for $25 a month get a private 30-minute call with me each month, um, which is cheaper than booking my time at journeydogtraining.com. Um, so I also have a couple new updates. As of October this year, we are also going to be doing a monthly uh, learning club call. So aside from those video calls where every all of the patrons get to uh, go through dog training specific videos in these learning club calls, we will all watch the same webinar, read the science, same scientific paper, or otherwise kind of participate in the same new learning opportunity and then get together once a month on video chat to talk about it. So that's going to be a really great way to expand your knowledge, not just in the scent training world and the dog handling world, but also learning more about ecology, conservation, odor dynamics, all those great things. It's real nerdy. It's awesome. So I also added some exciting new merch. So for our patrons, now once every quarter, you will get an exclusive um, bit of canine conservationist swag if you join at the highest level. So there's a mini print of Niffler that's just kind of a cute little postcard of Niffler. Um, you get a canine conservationist mug after three months. And then there are a couple different stickers. And all of that just is kind of included in the cost of your Patreon. And again, all of that helps support this podcast. This podcast would not be possible without our members over on Patreon. So I do hope you go ahead and join us over on Patreon. Again, for as little as three bucks a month, you get all sorts of fun stuff at those higher levels. You do get more one-on-one attention and you get swag. But even if you've got three bucks a month, uh, we really appreciate it and would be thrilled to have you around. Now let's get back to the show. I hope as you're um, listening to this, you're able to kind of think of some different ways that this might apply to you. I would actually love if you can sit down with a piece of paper and sketch out your Venn diagram and then send it to me and we'll share it on our social media. I already had several of my volunteers and good friends do this for the Canine Conservationists podcast. So by the time this episode comes live, we'll have a variety of Venn diagrams available for you to look at as examples on our social media. So... That's, um, those are kind of general ways that you can get involved and start thinking about ways to be a canine conservationist. And of course, it doesn't have to be as big or as world-changing as mine. You know, many the main reason I wanted to create this episode is because the vast majority of us are not going to be conservation detection dog handlers. So you're not going to literally be like a canine conservationist TM the way that I am because, you know, I'm the one who owns that domain. But if you enjoy being outside with your dog and you're a fit person and the area around you needs help with trail maintenance, that's a great place to start. Just go ahead and either join a trail crew, unofficially help pick up some trail, some things across your trail, or if there isn't a friends of the trail system near you, um, you can go ahead and start your own organization. And once every quarter, you will organize a trail pickup day near you. I did this um, back in Missoula with uh, work- when I was working with Working Dogs for Conservation. I helped organize several dog poo pickup days by connecting with Lolo National Forest. And um, we had a day where we picked up over 900 pounds of dog poop. And it just took a couple emails and then finding, um, then sharing around for some volunteers, getting some basic supplies and incredible support for the local trail system. And that's just something, again, you could do that once a quarter. Um, I'm not asking that all of us quit our jobs and totally change the way that we do things. You know, some other minor changes that we could think about is, you know, where do you get your dog's food and your dog's treats? Can you get them more locally to cut down the carbon footprint? Can you think about supporting um, dog food brands that come from, that treat their, uh, their meat animals in a way that aligns more with your ethics? 
Um, you know, maybe driving to your vacation instead of flying or driving with your dog instead of flying. Um, you know, there's all sorts of things that we can do to be more eco-friendly as dog owners and uh, help dogs as well. You know, one of the other ways that you can be a canine conservationist is help volunteer at the shelter. Um, getting involved on the dog end of things and helping uh, ease the burden on your local shelter or rescue is another great way to get involved. So um, now let's move on to part two of this episode, which is actually talking specifically about getting into the field of conservation detection dog work. And your first, first kind of two steps are going to be similar no matter what, um, if you actually want to be a conservation detection dog handler, which is to learn scent work, handling, and dog behavior, and then to familiarize yourself with field biology and survey techniques. So just about any um, job in the conservation detection dog realm is going to require that you have a pretty solid understanding of working with a variety of dogs, especially high energy, high drive dogs, potentially your dog, but also potentially other dogs as well. And then, you know, understanding how to handle tough field conditions, understanding field survey techniques, proper lab protocols in some cases. So having a really solid understanding of kind of basic ecology and good scent work is going to be really, really helpful here. Um, of course, you can learn a lot of that for free here with the Canine Conservationists podcast. If you're interested in scent work and handling and dog behavior, joining our Patreon is a great place to go for that. Um, I also have taken some excellent online classes with Fenzie Dog Sports Academy. Um, I, in particular, I took an advanced nose work games and a odor dynamics course that were really, really helpful for me as a new handler. Um, and then as far as familiarizing yourself with field biology techniques, there's a good chance that you can get involved helping with point counts or mist netting or amphibian counts, any of those sorts of things, just to get yourself used to getting out into the field, wearing your muck boots, the early hours, the cold wind, all of that to make sure that it's actually something that you can tolerate um, if you actually do want to get into this job, because it is not all sunshine and puppies and roses, let me tell you. Grad school is another option. Um, of course, uh, if you've already gone through college and already gone through high school, that would kind of be the next step of kind of formal education. Um, I have not gone to grad school. I am considering it. Uh, I will probably go to grad school in the ecology field rather than the animal behavior field because I personally have found it easier to self-educate on animal behavior and dog training, dog behavior, than it is to self-educate on ecology. So if I go back to school, it'll probably be for ecology. Um, so if you did decide to go to grad school or a PhD program, you um, would want to find an advisor and a school that is amenable to you working on conservation detection dog topics. So if you were in the ecology program, you may be exploring the use of conservation dogs. And if you were in more of a dog training animal behavior program, you may be exploring some techniques or even sensing capabilities that the dogs actually have in order to further the field that way. Um, and then, of course, after you've come through grad school, you still will need to figure out how to find a job or um, start your own organization. So that, um, but hopefully, grad school would help give you the connections and the skills to make you a little bit better set up for again either starting your own organization or getting hired. Um, so speaking of getting hired, there are several organizations here in the U.S. and abroad that may hire handlers and do hire handlers on occasion. I will say, as I've said before on this show, um, those po job postings do tend to be pretty few and far between. Um, so if you wanted to keep an eye out for that, the big organizations to keep an eye on are Working Dogs for Conservation, Rogue Detection Teams, Science Dogs of New England, Conservation Dogs Collective, um, 
oh gosh, West Inc., which we'll talk about in a moment. Um, and then abroad, there are a variety of other organizations. I'm not going to be as familiar with them, but I will try to dig up a good list and include in the show notes so that you'll also have links to all of those. And then you can keep an eye on those organizations for job postings. Um, there are a variety of other smaller organizations, myself included, Canon Conservationists. Um, the job postings with those really small organizations are even fewer and further between. Um, I know that if and when I'm able to hire someone, I actually already have a, a list of some good friends and really trusted colleagues that I would like to be able to hire. So, um, you know, it's, it is tough to figure out how to get hired. Um, the biggest thing that I would actually recommend for getting a a job in this field is actually considering taking a summer job with West Inc. So that's who I was working for this last summer. Um, they're an environmental monitoring organization and you get hired with your dog. Um, so you do have to have a dog um, to do this work um, or be very lucky and as in my friend Rachel who just borrowed barley from me. Um, and it is a summer job of pretty much, they always work on wind farms and I do, I believe they do some solar farm work as well. So you would be doing the bird and bat fatality monitoring that Barley and Niffler and I were doing this last summer. Um, that is a great way because they pay decently well. They cover housing, they cover a rental car. You get hired with your dog and it's temporary. So you can kind of see how you and your dog like the job without necessarily having to quit your current job or totally uproot your life. Um, it is a long summer job, um, but again, I really enjoyed it, and I think that would be a really good way to kind of experiment, seeing if you do enjoy um, this field and if your dog enjoys this work. There also are some courses that you can take. Um, I know Rogue Detection Teams is offering some educational opportunities for people interested in this field. Um, the other really good ones is there's Conservation Canine Consultancy, Consultancy um, which is in the UK, and James Davis, who offers some conservation canine camps in Australia. Um, I, at Canine Conservationists, am planning on putting together a intro to scent work course um, that is conservation dog specific because I filmed almost every single training session I've ever given Niffler. Um, and uh, I'm planning on turning that into a course here. Um, it's going to be a lot of work, but that's only going to be the scent dog, uh, the scent work side of things. And there's so much more to this field than that. So um, courses are an option, but you're probably going to have to be pretty piecemeal to kind of get everything together, um, especially if you're US based, um, because you know, flying to the UK for a class is just that much more expensive and that much more challenging than doing something here. Um, I have talked a lot about how I got into this field and other places on this podcast, so I'm not necessarily going to go into that story in depth here. I will link to, um, I believe, the very first podcast episode of kind of this show talked about it quite a bit. Um, and it was a combination of luck and having a lot of the right skills. Having a diverse skill set really helped out for me when I was getting hired. You know, I was not hired specifically as a handler originally with Working Dogs for Conservation. I was hired originally as a communications and outreach coordinator. Um, I believe that was my job title. Gosh, I've already forgotten. Um, so, you know, my job was communications and outreach, I had the dog skill, I had the biology skills um, that allowed me to change my job over time. But again, that was, um, I was actually originally hired, not because of that. I've also gotten tentative job offers in the past or job offers um, because of things like speaking Spanish and being able to drive manual vehicles on rough and muddy roads. There are a lot of things that really matter for getting involved in this field that are not just your dog handling skills. 
Um, so I actually, and I will also link to the rewildology episode I did with Brooke Mitchell Norman. Um, that actually is probably the best overview of how I got into this field. So I will link to that in the show notes. If you want to go ahead and listen to that, that talks a lot about my specific path. Um, again, you're probably not going to be able to follow my specific path because it was mine, but, um, hopefully you'll be able to learn something from it that helps as you're moving forward into getting into the field, if that is your goal. The other thing to think about is that being a handler isn't your only option. It's not for everyone. If you've got little ones at home or older dogs or are just not someone who enjoys being long distance with your partner or, you know, one of my best friends in the world is incredibly community-based. She does not like being away from her community and her friends and her place and her people for long periods of time. And this work does tend to involve a lot of travel. So, of course, you could be hired at one of these other conservation dog organizations in an on-handler role. You know, we always need fundraisers and communicators and executive directors and chief operating officers and directors of conservation and research and all sorts of stuff. So, <laughs> you know, whatever your skill set is, there's actually a chance you may be able to work with one of these conservation dog organizations, but not as a handler. And, you know, the reality is there's a chance that that job may pay better than being a handler because being a handler tends to not pay very well. Um, some of the other things that you can think about um, is to volunteer with canine conservationists. As I've talked about, we're working on course creation, social media, website maintenance, um, filming, outreach, all sorts of things. There's a good chance that you've got a skill that we need, data visualization, all sorts of fun stuff. So if you're really interested in getting involved, um, you know, reach out to me with some of your skills and ideas and you might be able to get involved with us as a volunteer. Um, we take volunteers all over the world. Um, shelter workers can help find other dogs. So if you're involved in shelter or rescue work, another great way that you can get involved is you can help keep an eye out for these high drive ball crazy dogs that might be really good for this line of work. Um, you know, and continuing to do what you're doing in the shelter is incredibly helpful. Biologists and legislators and other stakeholders and decision makers, you know, consider hiring canine conservationists. I would, I, I would love it if you would hire me specifically. Um, I actually am short on work for 2022 right now um, and would love, uh, love to hear about some projects that people may have. And we will help with grant writing and you can help us with grant writing. We can help you with grant writing and maybe there's something we can do together. <clears throat> um if you're a legislator, you know, getting in or involved in politics at all, considering getting involved in ways to protect more wildlife, wild places, and pushing animal welfare to the next level. No matter what your job is, there's a good chance that there's a way to help support the uh, the dual missions of supporting high energy, high drive dogs and responsible dog ownership, as well as protecting wildlife and wild places. Of course, you can always donate to us. Um, Canine Conservationist is a 501c3 nonprofit, and we would love your support. Um, but I know, you know, money's tight. Uh, no pressure. Um, you can also get involved in your local community with, your, as I said, your local shelter, a trail building cr crew, play clean go, wildlife rehab, or just picking up some extra dog poop bags on your next walk. You know, there's so many actions just from picking up a, down, a soda can on your next walk with your dog all the way to, <laughs> you know quitting your job to start your own organization to do this sort of work, you know, you don't have to be me in order to be a canine conservationist. And I would love to hear some of the ideas and thoughts that all of you listeners have for ways that you're going to get involved and ways that you're going to do more. Um, I would love to see the Ben Gott diagrams that you created. I would love to hear your questions and comments and thoughts on this topic. Um, again, it's something that I, I've been signing a podcast off this way for a long time, but um, wanted to 
get some ideas out there and get some ideas churning on um, how to actually do that and how, how it actually could look. So I hope this is helpful. And thank you so much for listening. I hope you learned a lot and are feeling inspired to get outside and be a canine conservationist in whatever way suits your passions and skill set. And now you know what that means. Now you might actually have a direction when I say that. This week's call to action is to check out our new merch over at canineconservationists.org. Oh my gosh, if you're going to go out and pick up some extra dog poo bags, wear my t-shirt. Um, you know, we've got a Friends of the Forest t-shirt that's a beautiful rendering of Barley and I walking in the woods together. Um, there's Sniffing Scat for Science, which is a really cute uh, graphic of Nifflers getting sniffing a pile of poop. <laughs> um, and then we've got our basic logos. Um, hopefully by the time this podcast launched launches, we're also going to have some stickers and tree ornaments, water bottles bottles, prints, all sorts of fun stuff. And you can find all of that over at canineconservationists.org. Um, I'm really excited about all of that. And we're working with a lot of amazing artists. So anything that we had artists help create for us, we split the proceeds with them. So it does go prime um, 50-50. It goes towards the artist who created the art and then also goes towards supporting our, our work. Um, and if you'd rather reduce your carbon footprint, but support us in another way, social media and word, word of mouth to show, share this podcast and share the work that we do, um, don't necessarily fuel the machine of capitalism the same way, but help keep this podcast alive. As always, you can find show notes, donate to Canine Conservationists, and join our Patreon at canineconservationists.org. Until next time.